and welcome to a different version of our podcast. This is Sean, Charlie, and Thomas, and you're listening to Sparkcast Mini. This episode, we are actually looking at a comic book published by Marvel Comics, but it's not actually a comic book. It is Marvel Age, issue number 17. And Marvel Age is not a comic book, but a magazine printed as a comic book that was just highlights of everything that was coming up in the Marvel comic books that they were coming out with so that you could see what was going to happen in the future, be excited, pre-order it, that kind of thing. I only have like two of these that I actually have on my own. I wanted to get the one with Evolutionary War on it. But I know I had one of these growing up, and I just can't remember which one it was. I don't think it was anything interesting. So maybe I got rid of it. But yeah, I didn't read this as a kid or even really now. But yeah, it lasted years, like almost a decade, just informing readers on what was coming up. Like in this issue, it actually has the Muppets on the cover because they were about to get their own comic book series. Yay! Let's see. When was this published? It looks like 1984. August 1984. So the Transformers cartoon would come on next month. Like, just because it's August, it, it might have come out in July. So it might have been two months or one month in the future. And hopefully here it will tell us when the comic book is actually going to come out for Transformers. Transformers are on page eight. So we get to page eight, and it's the Transformers logo, not the comp- the way it would be eventually colored, but it is the same font. So do you guys want to take turns reading each of the columns? Sure. I can start. Okay. Okay, okay the Transformers by Dwight John Zimmerman. This latest series from Marvel combines science fiction spec. Speculation with human drama. Powerful and sizzling sizzling graphics (laughs) with an innovative and provocative storyline. When you hear us tell you about the care and planning that went into developing the Transformers, you'll hardly be able to wait for issue number one. Sit back and read about the origins of the Transformers. We know we've got you fascinated already. Editor-in-chief Jim Shooter told Marvel Age Magazine the whole story. Marvel Comics is so successful that we're constantly in demand for our creative services. People from outside the comics field come to us with an idea, a concept, or a character and ask us to help them develop their idea into a fully realized fictional reality. For example, you all know that Hasbro came to Marvel to help create G.I. Joe. In fact, when they contacted us, all Hasbro had was the name G.I. Joe kicking around, and we did the rest. It's one of the most challenging and exciting parts of my job 
to gather up the right creative people to work on such projects. Transformers caught my attention right away. Hasbro had already created the toy figures, fascinating robots, unlike anything I'd ever seen. I saw a wealth of possibilities for these imaginative figures, so I immediately contacted Denny O'Neill to help me create a full history for them. Okay, and I guess somebody could tell us about Denny here. Okay. Denny is one of the best idea men in the business, and his contribution to the Transformers legend is brilliant. When Jim and Denny had finished creative development for the Transformers, they knew they had a guaranteed blockbuster on their hands. However, Jim's and Denny's work schedules were too full for them to carry out the comic book project themselves. They assembled a creative team for the Transformers series who could do their carefully crafted concepts justice. Bill Manto, experienced at bringing incredible concepts like ROM and Micronauts to the comics page, was a logical choice. Bill's excitement reached stratospheric levels when he read the thick background file Jim and Denny had developed for each character. For Jim and Denny had created a detailed history of the Transformers' mechanical home planet Cybertron and solid, distinct characterizations for 28 major heroes and villains. Okay, um... Where is the guy that actually did that? Maybe this is just um, before we know more about it. Like, because I know I thought that the one guy who did all the stuff for the Transformers names was not these two guys, and now I can't think of it because I'm reading these guys' names. But also, Rom and the Micronauts were the same as Transformers and GI Joe. They were figures that Marvel made into comic books to help promote the toys and make the backstory as well. They're just talking about the creative team for the comic, though, right now, aren't they? Probably, yeah. But the comic book also... See, that's the thing, is it's also connected because there's the TV and the comic, but then there was someone else who made the world, and then someone like the characters, and then the people in the comics and cartoons use those two for the bases. It's like a lot of, a lot of working together, but... When artist Frank Springer saw the sample designs Hasbro had brought to Jim Shooter's office... He fell in love with these amazing robots. The quality of their construction and their ability to assemble and reassemble into different shapes had Dazzler's pencil nearly begging for the Transformers assignment. Dazzler's penciler, not the pencil magically coming to life to draw it, just so you guys know. News that Frank <laughs> would pencil the Transformers thrilled anchor Kim DeMolder. Kim, the talented embellisher for the new Defenders and the upcoming Beauty and the Beast limited series, had always regarded Frank Springer as his artistic mentor. There was an inking assignment that project editor Bob Budiansky was only too happy to give. Okay, there it is, Bob Budiansky. He's the one that wrote the, the original, like, 20 issues or so. But I think he also came up with some of the characters. I'd have to look at that again. Beauty and the Beast is not the Disney Beauty and the Beast, by the way. That is actually a miniseries starring Beast of the X-Men and him falling in love with someone. Yeah, I was kind of guessing cool. that, that was the case. Okay, Thomas, you're up. Also, Dazzler is actually an interesting series. I've read all 30-some issues of it. With the creative team in place and the project underway, Bob acknowledged to Marvel Age magazine that he found himself in an editorial Catbird set. Bill's story is original and scintillating. Frank's pencils are polished and powerful. I admire the level of detail in Frank's work sustained in spite of the fact that he has so many characters to draw. The Transformers are not ordinary robots. 
They are sophisticated, shape-changing, fully sentient mechanical beings. Each possesses a complex array of incomparable weaponry. Optimus Prime leads the Autobots, those Transformers who defend the Earth against the merciless Decepticons, led by the evil Megatron. See for yourselves what makes these mechanical beings so compelling as we describe their full range and complexity. The Autobots, essentially noble characters, can transform themselves into useful transportation vehicles. They range in size. Optimus Prime, the strongest and wisest of the group, can become a tractor trailer and split into three parts. Bumblebee, the spy, can become a Volkswagen Beetle. The warriors named Sideswipe, Blowout, and Spinout can transform into exotic sports cars. Ratchet, Huffer, and Hound, respectively the Autobots uh, Medic, going to next page. They describe Bumblebee as a spy. <laughs> Always have like it's a like a a boy scout or just just a scout. <laughs> Both of those are in the intelligence area, so it, I guess it it, it can be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. All right, medic, construction engineer, and scout can become an ambulance, a cab over truck, and a jeep. And you know, uh, blowout would become cliff jumper. And spin out, I don't remember who he became. Unless spin out is, uh, what's his name? Sideswipe's twin. God, Sunstreaker. Unless it's supposed to be Sunstreaker, I can't remember. Charlie, you want to read the next paragraph? Autobots' peaceful transportation abilities belie their stunning combat prowess. Optimus Prime, for example, can produce a deadly combat deck which bristles with artillery and radiation weapons. Blowout can fire projectiles filled with a special compound called glass gas. (laughs) And when the gas glass projectile shatters against an object, it temporarily disrupts the atomic bonding of that object, making it brittle as common glass. Hmm, That's useful. Um, Sideswipe possesses a pile driver arm and rocket backpack that can supersonically fly him to wherever he is needed. Spinout is equipped with an ultra-accurate missile launcher and an electron pulse gun that can burn through a thickness of titanium steel in two seconds. Hound, as befits his role as a scout, has encyclopedic memory banks and an infrared detector that can detect and identify an enemy by its traces of heat. Ratchet the medic uses lasers, welders, and many other cutting and binding instruments to repair a damaged Autobot in no time and ready him for battle. Huffer is the construction genius of the group, the only Transformer that doesn't possess a weapon. Huffer derives joy from building a veritable arsenal of useful devices. Okay. So Huffer might be a construction bot, but even though he loves to build things, he really loves tearing people down, especially their spirits. (laughs) Was Huffer and Gears in the same episode once, or does that just happen? Yes, they've they've been there before on occasion. That definitely didn't become what Hound was, because Hound had an infrared detector and identify enemies, but they later changed that to holograms and radio transmissions. 
So maybe they mixed Hound up with somebody, but I can't remember me who spin remember who spin out is supposed to be now. Does, do any of you guys remember? No, that's I feel like that's the first time I've heard that name. Okay. Electron pulse gun. Um that cuts through titanium. Uh that's really vague. I thought they all can kind of do that. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm just gonna look up what's his name? Uh Missile launcher. What's oh god, what's the other one? Sunstreaker. I'm gonna see if that's actually Sunstreaker's prior name. I actually like spin out better. Uh yep. So it is uh spin out. It is Sunstreaker. Oh, okay. The the yellow robot I, that looks like uh, I never him. I never can remember Sunstreaker's name. That's the only problem. <laughs> All right, so now Cunning, sinister, and warlike, the Decepticons assume disguises of destruction to serve what they feel is their destiny to rule. Megatron is known as the, quote, Slagmaker, unquote, a nickname he relishes. His deadly fusion cannon can annihilate a major city. Starscream, Megatron's second-in-command, can become a deadly fighter plane with incredible speed, range, and weaponry. Ravage, the Decepticon's saboteur, can become the mechanical counterpart of a jaguar. To enhance his terrifying methods of murder, Ravage can become invisible under subdued light conditions. Ravage oh, cassette that's nice to you. To know. Never heard <laughs> that never happened in the cartoon. I guess they never got around to uh or they later took that out of his character. Rumble, who possesses the power of the earthquake, can transform himself into a stereo cassette for deadly espionage work. I really think his rumbling is the deadliest thing of all and more deadly than that, but okay. Laserbeak, who can transform himself into a condor, is a sadistic interrogation expert who takes particular delight in using his lasers to extract information from helpless captives. They all turn into cassettes. All of them. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, before we begin, though, uh, the second bottom half of this page is actually a picture from the comic. Though they couldn't have chosen a least interesting picture for the Transformers. Like, to get you to want to wow. read this. It's just <laughs> like, it's the inside of the arc repairing the Transformers when they wake up on Earth. But it just shows a purple robot thing lifting up the body of one of them. And then it's repairing another one and connecting its head to a body in the other shot. And uh, and everybody's lying on the ground. And there's like corpse, robot <laughs> corpses on the ground. And, and then you see on a TV screen in the back, like uh, the forms that the, he's going to turn them all into. And it has a description from what it's actually doing. But it's not very interesting to get people to want to read the Transformers. Yeah. Well, maybe this is their way of illustrating the fact that this isn't going to be a regular toy series for kids. This is going to be gritty. We're going to blow up our robots. <laughs> this looks like they just drew page one and. <laughs> That's what they have to display. Like, yeah. we're not going to show you any good stuff, kids, until you pay another 35 cents. <laughs> Thomas, you want to continue? The saga of the Transformers begins billions of years ago. Of course, I get the origin story. <laughs> <laughs> billions of years ago on the planet Cybertron. I wonder if you've heard that before. Located in a distant solar system, the home of the Transformers is a completely mechanized world where mountains are skyscrapers and rivers are highways. Civil war between the Decepticons and Autobots raged for centuries. One of the many battles between Autobot and Decepticons reached the Earth. 
Optimus Prime was leading a contingent of Autobots in a secret mission when the Decepticons found him out and attacked. Megatron and his men infiltrated Authy, the Autobots' intelligent spaceship. That's Auntie. I think the N has a has an ac- accidentally more uh, oh, yeah, a, mark or something. An ink dot. <laughs> the battle turning to the Decepticons' favor. Optimus Prime sent Auntie on a collision course with the Earth. The impact was devastating. Auntie buried herself deep in the young planet's crust. The Autobots and Decepticons were knocked into dormancy. Eons pass. In the early 1980s, Mount St. Hillary erupted. Far below, the Titanic shock waves reactivated the ravaged circuits of the Autobots' vessel. Auntie's sensors assessed the situation and discovered a wide range of indigenous life forms in the surrounding environment. Because many of Auntie's circuits were irreparably damaged, the ship proved unable to distinguish between Autobot and Decepticon. The ship, then capable of altering the Transformer shapes, adapted both the Autobots and the Decepticons to the life on Earth. Auntie matched the personalities of each Transformer to a particular inhabitant of Earth. So did the basic weapon identities of the Decepticons and vehicle guises of the Autobots come about. <laughs> I can read that next paragraph if you want to read the next two, Charlie. Sure. The Autobots and Decepticons were reactivated and civil war began anew. The Transformers series shows the Autobots valiantly defending the Earth against Megatron's forces, who view Earth as a planet rich with the resources to build new Decepticons. The Decepticons' ultimate goal is the destruction of all life forms in the galaxy. Wow, okay. I thought they wanted to conquer it, but... And then the, the picture they use on this page is actually useful. They took three panels and broke them up and put them vertically instead of horizontally, I think, and actually show Megatron, Starscream, and Soundwave transforming into jets and into jets and a, and a, sound, and a cassette player and actually take off. Maybe Megatron didn't transform into a jet. Maybe that's just another jet appears out of nowhere, so... It at least shows you what the series is, transforming robots into other things. So that one actually works. Okay, Charlie. It is a very definition of life form that creates conflict and confusion for the Transformers. For them, recognizable life forms are only the mechanical beings, cars, boats, appliances, and so on. Flesh and blood creatures, plants, bodies of water are completely beyond their comprehension. When the Autobots finally discover who Earth's intelligent life forms are and how frail and helpless they seem to be, they resolve to protect this fragile world from Decepticon annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking they were, from the sound of it, they were going to attempt world domination. But um, no, these guys have, uh, hey, we, that's a stereotype about aliens. And yeah, they, they came to protect us, yeah. Good guys. Um, <laughs> the first issue of the bi-monthly Transformers is scheduled for release in April. Don't miss it. The very survival of a civilization hangs in the balance. Wait, it's it says it's released for April. Oh, okay, yeah. Because the checklist at the beginning actually shows you all the titles that are coming out in November. Oh, okay. So it was supposed to be like another almost like a half a year before. Yeah, I assume. 
Wait, no, this says, no, titles shipping July 3rd on sale July 24th. So this is telling you about titles that are coming out. Title shipping July 24th on sale August 14th. Yeah, Why are they telling us all that? So the comment, so the Transformers, I thought it came out earlier than that for some reason. Like I could have sworn it was released around the same time as the series, not like four to five months after the cartoon premiered. I thought they came out the same month. Issue one here actually says it was released on May 1984. Hold on. Let me see the cartoon. September. Finally coming out in October. In May. And this book is coming out and telling them. It says August 84. But it's really July. It almost seems like the comic's already out because it says in April. So I don't know. These this is so that stupid. How a, they... It could be a reprint of the same information. Like I've seen that a lot. Like I skip kids magazines, and um, sometimes it'll be the same thing in it, like same article or something later <laughs> with the. And this is an August issue. Adjusted. Yeah, because it says it's the August issue. But the issues that it reviews are actually coming out in July. So, but it, that means that means the Transformers has already come out because it says coming in April, which would have been, or as you're reading this magazine. Hello, this is Editor Sean, not live on the podcast, to tell you the information so that you won't be confused. So even though Transformers says it's coming in April, the comic cover says September, but it was actually released in May. In Marvel Age itself is a checklist. Most Marvel comic books will have an advertisement page or bullpen and will also include a checklist of every comic book coming out that month. And on this checklist page, sure enough, there is Transformers and Marvel Age 17, the one we're reviewing, coming out the exact same month. And this checklist is for everything coming out in May, which means the title was delayed one month. We now return to the podcast. The issue itself, though, is usually, like, if you notice in the beginning, it tells you all the titles that are coming out in July, then later July, and then even in August. And various news that's coming out, like, Doctor Who mag uh, comic is coming out, all the new super specials and stuff like that. But then it actually interviews people, like it interviews Jim Shooter. We see John Ramada Jr. have Q&A, along with some sketches. Oh my god, we see that guy who draws Mad Magazine draw his version of some of the Marvel characters, which is kind of hilarious. And then there's talk about the Muppets, because they're getting their own comic book series, along with what's going on with Secret Wars that's coming soon. And then a brief retrospective on 1965 Marvel, as well as some new talent coming to Marvel Comics. And that's it. That's all it is. Does that make you want to read more of Marvel Age if this was like something that was current as a kid? Be like, man, you get to learn about all the new stuff that's coming out. Kind of fun just to like look through. I can imagine like this is kind of like a bathroom book because it's got so many like 
boring, um, you know, just schedules of things, but <laughs> it's just, uh, um, yeah, I think I would have, if I was bored, I probably would have flipped through this and like looked at stuff. I used to get, you know, the game magazines like this. I, I definitely wanted to know when they were going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. The, the what about the uh, the Transformers itself? Does it make you want to read it just with that and be like, here's these awesome Transformers? No. No. It didn't look... The pictures weren't very exciting. If it had been something that was like, whoa, like I've never seen that before. It like, was whatever. very encyclopedic, reading that. Yeah. I feel like that appeals more. It was. I don't know if that was their intention, but it seemed like that was... Reading that was like reading something for like older folks. Yeah, definitely. Huh. Just hardcore like comic book fans of the time that were really looking forward to collecting stuff. So I will tell you one thing here, though, is one comic I see coming out is called Crystar. And the complete thing of that is called Crystar the Crystal Warrior. It was a comic book based on a series of toys that failed immensely. I found that comic book somewhere at a at, at a comic store or for cheap or or an antique store or somewhere. I read the first one or so, and it was actually pretty interesting because I remember getting the whole twelve issue miniseries at some point a decade ago and reading it, and that was actually kind of fun. But of course, the toy line failed. The comic was also quickly canceled after its twelfth issue. So, okay, I'm looking at it on the internet, and it looks like. I don't know. I see a guy made out of crystal. <laughs> yeah, with a sword showing off his crystal biceps. He's basically just He-Man, but made out of crystal. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> He's got red oh, boots on. Hey, and he it... lives in a completely different fantasy universe from He-Man, okay? Okay, is there like a skull guy who's after him and he's made out of crystal also? <laughs> I, I do not remember. It's been over a decade ago. I just remember that I liked it, <laughs> and that's all I need to know. This totally just looks like He-Man. Like it all together. He's got like a barbarian crown kind of thing going on, like the whole Viking look deal. Like, yeah, this this is just a crystal he man, and he's got a crystal castle behind him. <laughs> you know, I don't for like your attitude about this cool original character that was created for the power of Christar. <laughs> <laughs> I am Christopher. Christopher Crystal and Esquire. Oh, so he fights the Demon Lord and his demon armies, okay? That is not... Uh, that's not the He-Man plot? That's not... That's, it's, it's every 80s cartoon plot, all right? It's like the Transformers <laughs> plot we're reviewing right now, all right? Oh, wait, there's a page with characters on it. Let me see what these characters are. Let's see, there's Moltar. Looks like some kind of molten lava... Yeah, that's what he is—a lava warrior. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. The all right, guy. we're getting we're getting out of the realm of mini. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Uh, but his name is Chris Star. Oh, that's. Oh, the funny. villain is actually pretty terrible as a design. So yeah. Um. Magnum. But anyway, the uh, I don't know if I even knew this magazine existed as a kid, and I don't know if I would have read it as much as I did because I remember getting into Wizard magazine later. But that seems to be a cool magazine, whereas it's just kind of a lot of information. I do know there are a few times where I did want to actively seek out 
two of these just because they had interviews with people before the big event and actually told you what they plan to do with it and how to do it. And some of that stuff is actually pretty interesting. But anyway, we hope you've enjoyed this brief, uh, i.e. half an hour plus look at Transformers from Marvel Age. This is Sean. Charlie. And Thomas. Good night. Sparkcast is a free podcast. If you'd like to help out the show, you can donate to the Patreon for Geek Aid at G-E-E-K-A-D-E. You can also check out my personal Patreon at Realms of Flux. R-E-A-L-M-S-O-F-F-L-U-X.